Matthew chapter 6. We are in a series. Thank you so much, Brian. So thankful for our team, our production team, and our worship team. We are in a series right now called The Holy Spirit Is for the last four weeks. And um, we believe um, there's nothing that changes your life like the power of God. Do you know that a life without the whole, uh, uh, following Jesus on your own is not Christianity? It's actually impossible. And I know enough about this book. It is impossible to do it on willpower alone. Amen. And we need Holy Spirit power. We've been in a series unpacking the power of God. And this is Pentecost Sunday, which all that means is when Jesus ascended and after the cross, 50 days later, the promise of the Holy Spirit. You need to know there are promises for your life. Jesus said it's better uh, for me to leave and to send the Spirit. And what he was saying was it's one thing to have God with us. It's better to have God in us. Instead of God walking beside us, to have his power available within us. And it's a promise that we still believe today. And today is Pentecost Sunday, and we believe today we're going to make room at the end of this service for a few minutes to pray today. And I believe if you'll lean in in these next few minutes online, if you'll just lean in for these next few minutes, I honestly believe today has the potential to change your walk with God. Most of you in this room are Jesus followers. You love Jesus, and I believe there is power available to help us follow him. Amen. And we're going to spend some time at the end of the service today to pray. And make room and believe that, God, you'll leave here different than you walked in. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 31. Uh, you'll see it on the screen behind me if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 6. This passage I'm about to read is in the middle of what scholars call the Sermon on the Mount. It is the most famous, the, mo the most uh, powerful, in my opinion, and I would say uh, pretty unanimous, sermon of all time. In fact, the most famous and most well-known sermons in the last 2,000 years are usually taken out of this passage in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus is preaching for hours, and from there we pull the lifestyle as we as Jesus followers pull truths out of there that we are trying to live daily. And we've, we're reading here from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Start reading in verse 31. Jesus is speaking to his crowd, and he's talking about, at this point, about worry. He's talking about, listen, you're worried about what you're going to eat. You're worried about where you're going to live. You're, gonna, you're worried about um, the price of houses in Millwood. Okay, that's my translation there. But you're worried about the cost of, uh, of milk and, and, um, and, and, and snackables. Come on, somebody. You're, you're, talk, you're worried about what you're going to eat, what you're gonna, where you're going to live, and what you're going to wear. And there's a worry in this, in this crowd, and he speaks to it. We pick it up here in verse 31, and Jesus says, So don't worry about these things, saying what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Verse 34, I always read it with a Bob Marley accent in my head. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to talk on this topic as we close out this series and as we make way in a few minutes to pray for each other and believe again for the faithfulness of God. On this title, if you're writing notes, write this down. The Holy Spirit is kingdom-focused. He's kingdom-focused. It's interesting, this passage that we're reading about here is talking about worry. Let me ask you this today. Um, what do you want? What do you want? 
Now that's a layered question, isn't it? It's a layered question. What do you want? Because there's layers to what we want. I'll be honest, the lowest level, I want Dr. Pepper. Some of you are waiting for a spiritual connotation that there is no. He's talking about a doctor. He just needs, no, no, I just really like Dr. Pepper. And Dr. Pepper is bad for me, so there's a problem there. I don't know, it's because when I was a traveling evangelist, every time I landed in Texas, it's like it's the place flowing with, you know, the Bible says milk and honey. It's flowing there with steak and Dr. Pepper. But I just have a craving for Dr. Pepper this time of year. And uh, I was drinking some Dr. Pepper last night. I'm like, this is bad for me. But I love Dr. Pepper. There's different layers to what you want. There's another layer of what I want. I, me and Nancy have been talking about it in two years. We both turned 50, and it will be our 25th wedding anniversary. In the same month, uh, our wedding anniversary, and I turned 50 in 25 years. And I'm like, you know what? I want to drink coffee on the streets of Rome. How many think that's a good idea? Something about cobblestone. I just think that would just be, I want that. I just think that would be an amazing way to celebrate year 50 on the planet and 25 years married with you. So we're thinking about that. We're, I mean, we want to do that. We're dreaming about that. There's different levels to what you want. If I want to go deeper today and I want to be a little more profound and a little more legacy-minded, I want, at the end of my life, I want to die well. I want to die being faithful to my God. I want to die being faithful to my wife. And I want to die being faithful to those that are closest to me. I, I, want, I want to live in a way like I can say at the end of my life, I want to know that I lived well and I died well. What do you want today? Well, I was thinking, how do you know what you want? How, how, how's a great way? If you're thinking, I don't know what I want. Some of you are like, I really want Dr. Pepper right now. I know I can read your eyes right now. How do you know what you want? Well, I think it's this way. What do you think about the most? What are you thinking about? On your most, on your most relaxed moment, where does your mind drift to? What are you scrolling for on your phones, looking for? You know, they say after you like a certain topic three times on your phone, the algorithm starts bringing up those posts. And if you ever go to the Explore page of your social media, whatever you're seeing the most of is whatever you like the most. You want to know what you want, it's what's on your Explore page. What are you scrolling for? What are you saving for is what you want. What are you going into debt for? That's what you want. What are you talking about? What are you daydreaming about? That's really what we want is if we look at those subjects. We live in an age of anxiety. I've heard that said, and reading this today in Matthew chapter 6, I realized that the age of anxiety isn't new. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking to people who were anxious and worrying about their lives. Isn't it amazing how things have not changed a lot in 2,000 years? We're still worrying about what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, and what we're going to eat. We're still worried about the basics of life and how we're going to afford this and how are we going to keep up with that? How are we going to transition from this apartment to that apartment or from this house to that house? How are we going to get our kids into college? How are we going to afford this? And how are we going to figure that out? And it was so much so that in the most important sermon in history, Jesus actually brings up worry. Sometimes we want to cast down anxiety and worry going, it's not that big of a deal. And I just got to get over it. Listen, you need to know it's a real thing. So much so that Jesus gave time to it in his probably most important sermon about the age of worry. From the passage we read today, I believe there's some truth that we want to speak to, and three things jump out very quickly to me when Jesus is speaking about worry. In Matthew chapter 6, the first thing is Jesus speaks to needs. It's interesting, he doesn't speak to wants. How many know this difference between what you want and what you need? How many would say the rest of you are liars right now? My, my youth pastor, we had, this, we had this convenience store, I'm not sure if we still had them or not, when I was growing up, called Needs. Remember Needs Convenience? 
If you grew up in this area, there was a needs convenience. He said, Brother Mike, that's not what that should be called. That's the want store, not the need store. Because I realized anything in there I did not need, I just wanted. You know what's found in, in needs? Dr. Pepper. I don't need that. I want that. I am a sucker for licorice. Come on, where are my people at right now? Crispy Crunch. Come on, somebody. Some of you are getting hungry at 3.30 in the afternoon, 4 in the afternoon. I realize that there's a difference between needs and want, and Jesus speaks to the needs of people more so than to the wants of people. I think that's interesting. He talks about the basics of shelter and food, and he speaks to the needs of life. I also think it's interesting that he says the solution to worry is seeking first the kingdom of God. In the middle of the worry of people worrying about real things, they were oppressed by another uh, nation, by Rome. They were dealing with costs and, and violence, and they were worried about things. He said the worry that we're dealing with, the solution is found in seeking the kingdom. And thirdly, he says, listen, your needs will be looked after when you seek first the kingdom. I think that's interesting today to think about that. He says, number one, there's a difference between needs and wants. I'm talking about your needs. Secondly, the answer to your stress about your needs is found in seeking the kingdom. But if you seek the kingdom, the other things you need are not bad. They're important, and they'll be added to you. Doesn't it say, he doesn't say your needs will be dismissed. Don't even think about that. Come on, get, get your mind where it needs to be. Think on the kingdom. He says, no, no, if you focus first on the kingdom, your needs will be added. I realize that priorities matter in life. If you've ever, ever built a house, if some of you are in construction, and I remember we built our house 16 years ago, there is a, an order to things. Priorities matter. We're building our house, I realized that the plumbing had to go in before the drywall went in. Priorities matter. When you're baking, today, this morning, I made pancakes. I make pancakes almost every weekend for my family. It's one of the two things I can cook. That's it. And it's already pre-made, so it's not hard to mess it up. But there's an order to which you do things. And when you're building a house, you put the plumbing in and then you put the drywall in. Because if you put the drywall on first, then you have to put the plumbing in. You're cutting through walls. You're cutting through barriers. You're doing it backwards. What Jesus is saying here is saying, listen, your needs are important. But you need to know there's a priority that matters here. And I want to get your mind off of your fear of what you don't have and focus on what you do need. And if you get the priority right, will deal with the worry of your life. This is a generation dealing with anxiety. I deal with it. I've dealt with it. I've been pretty open about the anxiety I've dealt with in my life. There is anxieties and there is depression and there are fears and we're all touched by it in some degree. And I felt today as we close out this series, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to speak to your life. I believe that there is an answer for today and we're talking about the kingdom of God. You need to know today, if you're taking notes, that God wants to be your priority. It matters where he is in the order of our life. Jesus refuses to be an add-on. Sometimes it feels like that in our culture. It's like, well, I'll just, I'll add Jesus on. And I know it's an add-on because when things get busy, he's the first thing to go off my schedule. Can I encourage you parents, listen, if Jesus is an add-on for you, he'll only be an option for your kids. Think about that. If Jesus becomes an add-on in your life at this stage of your life, he'll only be an option for them. See, I grew up in a church where my parents didn't ask me if I wanted to go to church. Come on, where people had parents like that? My parents told me what time we were leaving the house. They weren't like, hey, do you feel like going to church today? Are you up for it? Who's preaching? You know, 
Who's going to do the music? What's the weather like? What do I have on my schedule? My parents, have you met my mother? She's on the front door of this church. My mother did not ask me. My mother didn't ask me, how you feeling, sweetie? Rise and shine. You want to go to church? My mother, my mother, that was back in the days when we didn't call it timeouts. It was called discipline. And we, defi- and we spelled discipline S-P-A-N-K-I-N-G. My mother hit me where the good Lord split me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right now, charges are being filed against my mother. But true story. My mo- you know what? I'm not even going to share that. But I got spanked in this building. This was, this was the church I grew up in. There was a thing called the fellowship room, <laughs> which was code for. That's where you go discipline your kids during a service. True story. One sir, I wasn't going to share this, and God help me. There was, I, I'm sharing it. Nancy's trying to filter me. There was one service. I snuck out of church during a service. Pastor Chris, you'll love this. And there's a baptismal tank hovering above the stage. And there's no water in it. I snuck into the baptismal tank during a service and poked my head up and looked at the whole crowd. I locked up. Me and my mother locked eyes. And it was a race. Who could get to the stairs first? Ten-year-old Mike made a run for the stairs. And who was there? Hilda Miller. We didn't go back to the front row. We went to the fellowship room. We walked in. Somebody else was already in there. There was a lineup that day. Listen, folks, I've realized if Jesus is an add-on for us, he'll only be an option for our kids. What he's saying here is seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus refuses to be an add-on in our lives. He refuses. What exactly are we seeking? Listen, you add guac. You don't add Jesus. And so many times we want to add um, um, behavioral change. We want to add community. We want to add a little club that we attend. And we want to add somewhere we go on Sundays or maybe a Nova group. Or we want to go to maybe a prayer meeting. We add it on. Jesus refuses to be an add-on. He loves you, but he is jealous. He says, I am first over. Listen, I will look after you, but I refuse to be second. I refuse to be an add-on. I refuse to be an option. I refuse to be something that you might want to just, listen, you add a gym to your life. You add a hobby to your life. You do not add Jesus to your life. Songs like, I surrender all, not I give you an option. There's something about seeking first the kingdom of God. So where Jesus tells us here, the answer to worry is to seek first the kingdom of God. Well, what exactly is the kingdom of God? What are we supposed to be seeking? Because that sounds like a church term. If you never grew up in church, or maybe you did, you hear that term, the kingdom of God. What does it mean? You say, Mike, I deal with worry in my life. I got worried about culture. I got, I'm worried about our government. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my, my singleness. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about where we're going as a society. What do I do with that? The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? So thankful for the word of God. It says, tells us in Romans 14, 17. Watch this on the screen behind me, what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. It's not licorice or Dr. Pepper. It's also not worrying about your house. It's not buildings or lack of buildings. It's not pipe and drape or lights. It's not loud church or quiet church. It's not dark settings or light settings. It's not whether you live in Halifax or Toronto. It's not stuff. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling us here in Matthew, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Or another way to say this is he says, listen, seek first righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then all these other things that you need will be added to you. The cure for worry is to seek first righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So seeking the kingdom 
kills worry. Here's the formula for worry. Watch this. You might want to write this down. The formula for worry is R plus P equals J. R plus P equals J. Righteousness plus peace equals joy. How many just thought we went into math for a second? Come on, nobody likes math. R plus P equals joy. I'm talking to an anxiety-ridden generation. I'm talking Jesus says to seek first. If seeking the kingdom kills worry and the kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy, this is the formula for the worry we're dealing with. I looked it up when Jesus is speaking and when the, the Bible unpacks in Romans about what the kingdom of God is, what is righteousness? That's a church word. I don't know how much you use that word at Starbucks or at work or at school. That word righteousness in the original language, the original Greek, it means moral integrity. Jesus is saying, hey, seek first moral integrity. Seek first justice. Seek first right standing with God. Here's what righteousness means. Whether you're new to church or you've been around this journey for a while, it refers to living in accordance with God and his standards. It's being in right relationship with him. Nowhere in there does it say two hours on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday morning going to church. You notice that? It doesn't say putting a verse on your Instagram bio. It doesn't say you put a fish or a symbol on your car, though that's all add-ons. It says to seek first, the kingdom of God is to seek being right relationship with him. Hear me, church, the way we behave and the way we live matters. And we say this often, but I feel it's so important to say it again. God loves you so much, he'll love you just as he found you. He'll never love you more than he loves you today. It's impossible for God to love you anymore. He accepts you no matter what state he finds you in. Some of you feel like you're doing well, and some of you feel like you are under the weight of the world, and you are ashamed of your life. You need to know this, that whether you're on top of the mountain or the mountain's on top of you, Jesus loves you. But he doesn't want to leave you as he found you. And when you're around Jesus, something starts to happen. You start to desire to be in right standing with him. The way we act, the way we think, the way we live matters. The Bible would use another word there called holiness. Holiness matters. And I feel like in this generation, there seems to be a, uh, there is no rules, there is no truth. There's my truth and your truth. And we cast it off. The Bible says that the kingdom of God that we are to seek is right standing and moral integrity with God. Church, you need to hear me today. As a 48-year-old preacher, I'm looking in the mirror telling myself today, how I live matters to God. It's in right standing with God. Righteousness. It also means peace. And that word peace in the original language it denotes a, a state of tranquility and harmony and well-being. It encompasses both peace with God and peace among people. It means that when you seek first the kingdom of God, it means you're at peace. It doesn't mean you agree with. Peace and agreeing are not the same thing. But peace is you know you're right with God and you're right with your fellow man. Listen, you cannot lift your hands in worship in church if you've got malice in your heart on Facebook. You ever go into the comment section? When the premier posts something or the prime minister posts something. We have people focused on lifting their hands in church, but they got malice in their hearts. It's interesting that the word peace means right with God, vertical, and right with people, horizontal. 
To me, that makes a cross. It's fascinating that Jesus came and died on a cross. He is the man that joins both getting right with God, with us as people. That when you seek first the kingdom of God, you're like at the center of it. I'm right with God, and God helps me be right with people. Doesn't mean you agree with people. It means you don't have malice in your heart towards your neighbor, towards your government, to your spouse, to your neighbor. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. And God loved the world. If God loved for them, how can we not? If God died for them out of love, how can we not? When God died for them, we can't hold our tongue. To seek first the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, right living, but it's also peace. You know, there's nothing, nothing feels better than knowing you're at peace with God. So many people are feeling the weight of shame and sin on their lives because they know there's no righteousness in their life and there's turmoil inside of you. And what you think you need is a vacation or another upgrade or another purchase, but it's a conviction of God inside of us going, listen, there's a right way to live. And if you live right with God, it produces a peace in your heart, a peace that goes beyond understanding. You can be in the middle of a storm and have peace. That's knowing you're right with God. And righteousness plus peace produces joy. That word joy, the Greek word is the word chara. Now, if you're a Bruins fan, you understand that. Because you had joy when Chara was on the ice, the great player. The original word there means Chara is Chara. Listen to what it says. A deep, it conveys a deep sense of gladness, delight, and rejoicing. It refers to the joy that comes from being right relationship with Jesus. You need to hear me today. Right with God plus peace with God equals joy from God. So much about dealing with worry and stress and anxiety and being right with God produces a peace with God, and you get the joy from God. And please don't miss this. It says in Romans, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we leave that off at the end. You need to hear me today. It is impossible to be right with God, to have peace with God, without the power from God. I have learned it is impossible for me to live right on my own willpower. I remember growing up, I would, even today sometimes, I'll be hyped up on a Sunday. Man, that was a great worship set. Man, that message encouraged me. I'll be pumped to go to prayer on Tuesday or Friday. I'll be pumped to read one and done Acts, one, one chapter a day. I'm pumped, and that lasts about 48 hours. Come on, somebody. You're watching online going, that's a great point, Pastor. Oh, I'm so encouraged. I'm going to retweet that. I'm going to post that on Instagram. And we're fired up. And after about 48 hours, it starts to fade. And I realize I'm not strong enough to follow the word of God. I'm not strong enough to produce peace in my life. I'm just, you know, just going to calm myself. I'm just going to slow my breath down. I'm just going to take a mind to focus. I'm just going to shut my phone off for a while. All good things. But I realize in myself, I cannot produce peace. The Bible says, and he knew that. That's why God didn't say the kingdom is righteous, peace, and joy. Go work for it. Go try your best. If you give enough money in the plate, if you go to church enough, if you, if, you, if you carry the groceries of the old lady next door into her house, if you shovel that person's driveway, if you help at the food bank, come on, righteousness, peace, and joy. Go for it. Go work your butts off for it. He doesn't say that. Please don't miss this, church. In an age of anxiety, he says righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because if we want to live the life of Jesus, we need the power of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, what he was saying is, if the kingdom only comes by the Holy Spirit, what he was saying is, seek first the Spirit of God. Because if we have the power of God, we can do the works of God. 
If we have the power of God, we can go after the focus of God. If we have the power of God, we can be in right standing with God. We can have a peace with him. And there's a joy that fills your heart. It starts with the Holy Spirit. Watch this, Acts 1.8, talking about righteousness. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It is impossible to live right without the power of God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been around long enough, you're like, I'm doing things I thought I never would have did five years ago. Ten years ago, if you had told me I had this habit or this thought pattern or this addiction, I thought, man, how did I get here? It is impossible to live right without the power of God. The Bible says power is available. What about peace? We need to know this. The Holy Spirit is divine peace. Look at John 14, 25. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, him coming. He says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name. He's talking about sending the Holy Spirit. He will teach you all things and bring you remembrance of all that I've said to you. What has he said to you? Seek first the kingdom of God. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. Notice that. He was just talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He changes the name of the Holy Spirit to peace. He goes, Holy Spirit's coming. Wait for the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. Peace I'm going to leave with you. Peace I give you. He's calling the Holy Spirit peace. Not as the world gives, I give. Not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Church, these are troubling times. There's a lot to fear. And Jesus says, no, no, you got to understand. I'm, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. Peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. The Holy Spirit produces peace. What about joy? Acts 13, 52. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Do you know one of the byproducts of the Holy Spirit in your life is joy? Not happiness, joy. We confuse the two all the time. It says because the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Happiness is based on external circumstances. You got a raise or didn't get a raise. The weather's good. If it's, if it's minus 10 like it was on Friday or plus 30 like it was on Saturday, our moods are affected by if our team wins the playoff or they lose in the playoffs, by, by who likes us and who doesn't. And happiness is based on external circumstances, but joy is based on an internal relationship. And Jesus, the joy set before him, endured the cross. It says there, it says, and believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And some of us are praying for happiness. What we should be praying is for holiness. Because righteousness plus peace equals joy. And some of us want the happiness, but maybe it's not the attack of the enemy. Maybe the frustration you're feeling is actually conviction. Felt God convict me on the way to church today of something, not a sin in my life but something he's asking me to do, something he's asking me to give up, something he's asking me to focus on. He said to me, you need to tell your wife before you leave the church today to keep you accountable. And some of us are so worried about our happiness, and God's going, no, no, I just want holiness. Because righteousness plus peace produces joy. There's power in the Holy Spirit. R plus P equals J in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit makes it possible to live this kingdom life. Church is more available to us than we've experienced. So many in this season, we have meetings, we have conversations through text and in person going, I'm just struggling with this mindset. I'm struggling with this habit. I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling with this craving. And it feels like sometimes you feel like, I don't know if I have enough wisdom or counseling. And we don't. 
and I'm all for counselors and therapists, and I go to them myself, and I love education and podcasts and books and conferences and sessions, but what we need is the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't righteous peace and joy in a conference. It wasn't righteous peace and joy in your favorite podcast. It wasn't peace, righteous peace and joy in Fox News or CNN. It was righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Seeking the kingdom starts with the Holy Spirit. My life, it seems like I've been challenged to seek first the kingdom of God every five years of my life. It just seems like there's a pattern in my life. Every five years, it's like I come to this moment where God goes, are you seeking me? See, seeking, seeking God is not an event. It's a lifestyle. You give your life to Jesus in an event, but following him is a lifestyle. Seek first. I find I have to come to that intersection. It seems like uh, every five years I'm challenged. I remember being in Yarmouth when I was 13 on a mission trip with my youth ministry. 13, had a speech impediment, had an overbite. Man, I could chew corn. I had an overbite. I was skinny. I didn't have a lot going on for me, but I, I, I was trying my best to follow Jesus, raised in the faith, because my mother made me go to church. God was healing my inner wounds from the fellowship room. Come on, somebody. I remember being 13 in a service like this, and we sang this song called, Here Am I. Send me to the nations. I remember being 13 in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. I felt like I was a million miles away from home in Yarmouth. I was homesick after one day. And I remember standing there as a 13-year-old, having more questions than answers, more future than history. And I remember a moment, of, I felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me, will you trust me with your future? At 13. Don't mistake what God can say to a 13-year-old. And I remember wrestling during this song, Here Am I. Send me to the nations going, I don't want to go to Yarmouth, let alone the nations. I remember wrestling it, tears coming down my face in the warm summer sun going, I'll go wherever you want. Your will. I remember saying this, your will, not mine. At 13. At that day, I said, God, you can send me anywhere, even Moncton. Every five years, at 1819, I remember being in Hamilton, Ontario getting ready to go on a summer of teaching English in the former Soviet Union on a mission trip. I was trying to follow Jesus. I was doing my best. I'd already even started preaching sermons at that point in my life. But inside, I was bound up with anger and, 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 and tension and, 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 and of service. I just felt the Holy Spirit come on me and say, do you want to seek me first? Will you trust me with this hurt? Will you trust me with this anger? Will you, will you just let go of what you think you have? And in a moment, I was challenged again to seek first the kingdom of God. I remember it was a pivotal moment for me in my late teens. I remember being in my mid-20s, now married. When I met Nancy, you know the story. When we met, we had conversations. And I said, hey, if you get married to me, I don't know where we're going to live. It could be anywhere in the world. We're going to follow the call of God. I said, but it won't be Newfoundland. That's all I said to her. True story. I said, I'll go anywhere God wants, but I don't think it's Newfoundland. We're now married for a bit in, in my mid-20s, and we're making no money. I was working, working a retail job and making no money. But I, we had a call in our life for ministry, and I remember wrestling through that. I remember at one point making no money and had dreams, dreams of starting a family, dreams of one day getting a house. 
had all these, these dreams. I felt God, I had this person, a well-meaning person in my life, a, a man in the church walk up to me and say, hey, I know there's a call of God in your life. You want to be a pastor? And, and I know that's your plan, but I run an investment agency and I, I could get you started doing investments and, you know, you could make some money. And yeah, follow God and his plan. You could do ministry, but like, you don't have to be poor while you wait. And maybe you could start a family. Maybe you could get a house. Maybe you could. So, you know, just here's an option. Help me get this business to where it needs to be. And remember going, that sounds like God. Just what a provision. I remember wrestling with God and going, and I knew in my heart, if I put my energy, nothing wrong with it, but if I put my hand towards that and gave that my focus, when God said, no, no, I want you to be faithful what I'm called you to do right now. You're here to do ministry. Hang on. It's not a way out. It's a distraction. Hang on. I remember wrestling on my knees going, you know, I like the idea of food in my fridge. I don't, true story, I don't like paying for gas with dimes. Remember those days? There are gas stations I will not go to to this day because I paid for $5 gas in pennies and jingled the hose when I was done. And I remember going, okay. I felt God challenge me again. Will you seek first? I remember being age 40. I had this, this frustration in my life. I heard God say, do you want to spend your 40s telling stories about your 30s? Or do you want more stories of faith? And at a deep level that I did not understand, I felt this groaning and coming to an altar in my life going, God, I want more stories of faith. Seek first kingdom. I think the trap we get into sometimes is we say, 1970s, man, I gave my life to Jesus. We don't seek him. It becomes an add-on. It comes a part of our culture. Man, two years ago, man, I just felt God's presence in my life. And, you know, I'll get back to church when it's time. I'll, I'll get back to devotion when it's time. I'll give, I'll give God my Sunday, but, like, I, there's some things in my life. I, I don't know how else to read that. We've never had more anxiety, and I can't help but think somewhere along the line, we stop seeking the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to be a life counselor. I'm not a life coach. I don't want to be a guru, because it doesn't work. And if you're relying on me to fix your life, you're in trouble. I can't save myself. There's a power available. There's power available in the Holy Spirit. Today, we want to make some time as we get ready to close to pray. And I don't know what you want, and I don't know what you fear, but I believe when they align, when we align our, our wanting with his kingdom, I believe fear is dealt with. I believe the formula for worry and fear is righteousness plus peace produces a joy in the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's a strength available for us as church. We're not good people trying to have a good service on a good day of the week. We're believed, we are called to kick out darkness until it bleeds daylight. We're called not just to go to church. Well, my teenagers are kind of fading. They're not really into church. No, 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 no. My family will serve the Lord. My grandkids will serve the Lord. We're going to make a difference in this neighborhood, in our city, in our country. I believe God's called a calling on my life and your life. There's a plan on your life, sir. It's more than just behavioral modification. It's more than just good thoughts and positive vibes. I believe there is a power available to us that we can live right before God. It's not easy. 
follow Jesus. If the form of faith you're doing is easy, it's not Christianity, it's something else. Because this is hard. He is faithful. We're going to take some time today on this beautiful afternoon in this amazing venue and just make some room to seek first the kingdom of God. All over this place, would you stand to your feet? We've allotted some time next little while. Online church, you're going to be tuning out in a moment. We're so glad you've joined us. Hope you'll join us next week at the Bella Rose. But church here in person, here's what we're going to do today. We've been doing it all month. Challenging. I challenge you right now. Just lean in. Because if you're honest, like I just feel like I don't have enough strength to live right in this area. I feel like I don't have peace in this area. I feel like there's anxiety and worry in my life over this relationship or this situation or this thing from my past. We want to make room today. We're going to open these altars for a chance just to press in. In a moment, you're going to step out in the aisles, come to this front, and then our pastoral team and our designated prayer team, our pastoral team, and then you'll see those with lanyards on. We're going to, if you want prayer, we're just going to lay hands on you and believe. We're not going to counsel you. We're not going to teach you. We're just going to believe the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that made him an example to be righteous with his father, to have peace with his father, is the same power we have. And I believe that power to help us live right, to have peace, produce a joy that no drug, no vacation, no purchase could ever give. I believe in the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added. I got needs and you got needs in our life. And they matter to Jesus matter to him and if we put him first he'll look after us young married couples I believe God has a plan for your life and you have more questions than answers God has provision for your life teenagers in the room you, have, you don't know what you're going to do with your life how are you going to figure it out how are you going to deal with culture God has a plan for your life seek first the kingdom for the next few minutes we're going to worship as a team I'd encourage you, step out for a moment. Step out into an aisle. Some of you might be moment on your knees. It might be lifting your hands. And we're going to believe today, not for a long time, but I believe this, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we seek Him first, God will look after us. Amen? Father, right now, I just pray for this church. I pray for the Jesus followers under the sound of my voice. God, maybe we sought you and now we've gotten comfortable. Maybe we've been disappointed. But God, I pray today we'd come to another intersection. An intersection of choice today about priorities. And God, we thank you for your plan. And God, we have things that we are worried about. We have needs that we need to see met. We have concerns. But God, we trust you at your word today. You said if we seek you first, we seek the kingdom first, that we're in right standing with you, that we're at peace with you, that God, a joy will be produced and it's possible because of your spirit. We say, come, Holy Spirit. And would you empower us today? We seek first the kingdom of God. Church, the altars are open for the next few minutes. Would you come and worship? We want to pray and lay hands on you and believe. I believe you leave here stronger than you walked in. The very kingdom of God in your life. And watch what God will do. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes, he will. Come on, let's seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus.
Whatever you want 